0: new series today called Your Opportunity for a Better Life, and I want to share with you that uh, how I've come up with this title is that I've actually written a book. It's called Your Opportunity for a Better Life, and so uh, we're doing a series based off of this book, and, and our groups and so forth are doing uh, uh, studies off of this book, and so I, I won't be able to go as in-depth uh, with you as i you know, I like, you know, I like to preach about 10 hours on a Sunday, but you don't want to listen to 10 hours, right? And so I just wrote it in a book, that way, so I can give you 30 minutes and you can take the book, right? But the reason I share that with you is because that's my story. People have read the book, said, you know, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I'm like, well, what did you think it was going to be? They're like, I thought it was going to be chapter and verse. I said, no, it, it's my story, and it's the keys that's helped me uh, in my life, and I want to share that with you. And I say all of that because everything that has happened in your life right now is your story. like. There's been moments in your past that as you look back over your past, you're gonna there's moments in your life that you're gonna be super proud of. Like some of you won the science fair every year. Did anybody in this room like win the science fair, like first, second, third prize? Anybody win that? Okay. You don't wanna admit it, do you? Okay, there's three or four of us. We're not gonna throw anything at you. The, the rest of people like me, like, oh, I never won it, you know? But, but there's things that happen in your life that, that you achieve, that you're, you're, when you think about them, you get excited about. And then there's other things in your life that when you look back over, you know, sometimes some of them make you sad. Some of them may make you mad. And then some may even make you a little embarrassed, right, when you think about your past. and so, But all of that is our story. Your life is your story to this point. Now, here's the deal, is that many people that I talk to is that they're stuck in their life. It's like their story is this. And the problem is this, is that they find out that their story resembles maybe their parents' story. It gets to that level. And then maybe it goes back to their grandparents' uh, level as well. In other words, they get stuck at this level. And some people tell me, well, it's our family curse. What I'm going to tell you, there's no such thing as a family curse. There's family bad habits that that get carried over and over. And so what happens is we keep rewriting the same story. We get to this level, and we keep reliving and keep rewriting the same story over and over again. So today I want to talk to you about how to change that. And I just want to be honest with you straight up. There's going to be some words that are going to come up on the screen that we're going to read together that I believe are the way to change your story, to get unstuck. And so here they are. They're coming up on the screen. Would you say these, say these words out loud with me? Let's say them. You ready? Come on. Jesus can change my story. And I believe that with everything in me because that's what's happened to me. And I want to share with you today how that can happen for you. And so I'd like to give you three things today on how to change your life story. How do you change that? How do you, how do you move from being stuck here? How do you quit repeating the past mistakes of maybe previous generations? How do you do that? And when I'm going to give you three things today. So if you go ahead and take out your outlines, we'll get started. The first thing I would say is this, is number one is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Now, I know many of you that when you've heard those words, come to Jesus, you've heard the word meeting on the end of that, right? In other words, when I see them, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting, right? You ever heard that? Right, yes. So I've, I've matter of fact, I've used those words, and I've had those words told to me several times. They said, hey, when I say, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting Jeff. And I go, okay, boy, well, that's really serious. Well, I want to tell you, we want to have this coming to Jesus is the first step, I do believe, in changing your life. Now, I would say this to you, that uh, when we think about coming to Jesus, there's emotions that are attached, feelings. And the first feeling that, we, especially when we've done something wrong, is that we, when we've done something wrong, we know God is not proud of, and we're not proud of, and we think about coming to God, the first emotion that we, most of us feel is the feeling of fear of rejection, that God may reject us because of something that we've done in our past or something that's just happened. We're afraid that He's going to reject us. And I want to tell you that that fear is not new. That fear has been passed down from generation. Because the enemy of our soul, the devil, makes sure you feel that because he puts a thought that when you let God down, he's like, oh, you let God down, God doesn't love you anymore, he doesn't like you anymore, and God don't want to have anything else to do with you anymore. He'll tell you things like that. And you know, that thought is not new because we, we actually have, uh, have a model by our great, 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 great grandparents who did that, and that's called Adam and Eve. You know what they did? They ran and hid. Whenever God, whenever they sinned against God, instead of facing God, instead of coming to God, they hid. They hid. Let me give you the story. So in the beginning, when all this world started, God created this beautiful world, and, and it was wonderful. I mean, like, there was thousands of, of fruit trees, thousands of vegetables growing everywhere, and God said to Adam and Eve, listen, you can have it all. It's all yours. All of it's yours. There's just this one tree. Just don't touch that one tree, right? Don't touch it. Don't, don't, don't take any of its fruit. Just leave that one alone. You can have it all. And guess what? We all inherited something from them, right? Because before you start throwing them under the bus, I want to ask you something. Have you ever saw the sign that said wet paint, don't touch? <laughs> and what did you do? You walked right over and touched that, right? And that's the. And so we inherited it because that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They went right over and they, they took the fruit and they ate it, did exactly what God said not to do. And then all of a sudden they realized they, they sinned against God. They'd never done that. And guess what? The enemy of their soul said, you know, you can, God doesn't love you anymore. He's not going to like you anymore. And so they ran and hid. They ran and hid. Now let's pick up what the Bible says here. In Genesis 3 and 8 it says this, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they what? Let's read it. Ready? They hid from the Lord God. They hid from God among the trees and the garden of the garden. You see, the problem is, is that many of us today are exhausted because we're running from God. We're trying to hide from God. You say, Pastor Jeff, I'm not running from God. No, you're not. We didn't see you running down the road today. And somebody said, hey, what are you doing? I'm Forrest Gump. I'm running from God. No, we don't see anybody doing that. But what we do is this is that we find ourselves just making ourselves so busy that we don't have time to think about God. Keep our minds consumed, and so we'll get we'll get into a new relationship we'll just jump from relationship to relationship you know in our jobs or in school or something we'll just just uh, s- uh, smother ourselves with all kinds of things so we don't have to think about God and if that doesn't work, then we'll medicate it right I mean like we will just binge watch television or we'll just just stay so inundated with social media or we will actually maybe Take a pill, right? Or we'll smoke a weed, or we'll or we'll drink a strong beverage. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's making his way through the crowd right now. He said, that guy's been on my Facebook page. Oh my God. He so we'll do those things. Why? Because we feel tired and, and we're trying to cover, we're trying to get a break. We're trying to rest. Look at the next verse with me, Genesis 3 and 9, what God says Once they hid, God said this. But the Lord God called out to the man, and he asked this first question. This is the very first question that God asked the mankind. Would you read it with me? Let's read it. Ready? Come on. Where are you? Now, when you read that, where are you? Do you read, where are you? Or do you read, where are you? You know, it just depends on your view of God, how you read that. I want to tell you, I've been lost before. I've been lost a couple times. But I, I remember the first time that stands out to me, I was seven years old. My family went to Six Flags. And back in the day, I don't know how packed Six Flags is now, but back in the day in the 70s and 80s, Six Flags was a place to be. I mean, it was packed. And I remember being there in the summer with my family, and, and I am a person who struggles with ADD. I, I am. I'll just tell you. You can probably tell as I'm talking. And so we were walking past the games. Oh, and and we were going past the, the gaming section there. All of a sudden I seen this game the where they were spraying water into the clown's mouth. Looks like that behind me. And they were spraying the and the and the, and the balloon would go up and then they had a big stuffed animal. It was a Saint Bernard. Does anybody remember those? the grand prize of St. Bernard, right? And I just, at seven years old, my ADD kicked in, and I just had a moment of daydreaming, seeing me spraying water into that clown's mouth and winning that big St. Bernard and carrying it all day. It was bigger than me. And while I was doing all of that, my family left me. (laughs) They were gone. I didn't, I mean, I turned around, they weren't there and I can tell you, being a kid, seven years old, my heart began to pound out of my chest, and, and I was freaking out. Panic set in, and I just began to run and, and, and yelling, Dad, 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 Dad. And, and sure, my dad was coming and looking for me, and finally we met after just probably just a few minutes. We met, and, and Dad found me. And I can tell you, when my father found me, my panic subsided and peace came in. And when your father finds you, and you find your father, then the stress goes to rest. Amen? Amen. That's great. Also, I can tell you another episode that I had. I've experienced losing someone is that when uh, my son was about four years old, his name is Tyler. He's 27 now. That's when he was sweet and innocent and cute. <laughs> Ron and I went shopping um, with like an J.C. penny, and there was a clothing rack, you know, that, that, that the shirts and things are on. And so she was, te- we, she was buying, we were buying a shirt for me. And so she said, How you like this? How you like this? And she pulled one out, and I was looking at it with her, and we were debating and discussing that. And so we decided we would purchase that shirt. And when we got got this, pulled, you know, decided to take it up there, we turned around to walk out, and we looked, and our our four-year-old son was not there. He was gone. And we freaked out. I mean, I was feeling really bad. I know how Jesus' mom and dad felt, because they lost him for three days. All right, if you read the Bible, they lost him for three days. But I was like... We were, we were running like Tyler, Tyler, where are you? Where are you? I mean, it was panic and it was love. It was like, where our son's lost? Where are you? And we ran around that store for like, I mean, it seemed like two hours. It was probably only about a minute. Where are you? Where are you? We ran it, and here, just in a few, like I said, about a minute later, here, you know, the clothes are on the racks like that. He decided to go up in there and just stand by the pole and hide from us. And then we then we come out. here. I said, Tyler, where are you? Where? He said hey, then my, then my tone went from, where are you? To, I'm going to whip your tail, boy. <laughs> right? Isn't that what you sort of felt like? But what I'm trying to tell you is that the love of the Father is always, where are you? I want you. I'm looking for you. Just like we were looking for our son, God has always got his eye on you, always wanting you back in, no matter What? You say, you don't know what I've done, and you don't know where I've been. No, I don't, but he does, and he still says, I want you back. Always says that, always. Jesus picks this up, and Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said, let's read those three words. You ready? Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Doesn't that describe a lot of us? Heavy burdens. And what did he say? Let's read it. You ready? I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. You see, a lot of you in this room, you don't need muscle rest. You don't need, you, you don't need physical rest. You need soul rest. You know why? Because you're so consumed with anxiety and you're so consumed with worry and you're so consumed with guilt and you're so consumed with bitterness and you're so consumed with anger that it's it's sucking the life out of you. And you can take all the vacations you want to take. You can go on the greatest cruise ship that there is, but the only problem is you take you with you. And it's got you. And Jesus says, come to me that I can give you rest. Here's what I've understood. When I turn away from Jesus, I find more stress. But when I take a step toward Jesus, I find rest. Rest. And today, people ask me, How do you take a step toward Jesus, Jeff? And I would tell you the word is prayer. Prayer is the way that you you take a step toward Jesus. And listen, there's some of you that are skeptical in this room, I know, because you've heard it all before. But I want to challenge you today to take a step toward Jesus. And we want to invite you today that you might have an opportunity for a better life and that you would try Jesus and see what happens. And so we have a prayer because most people say, Jeff, I don't know what to pray. I'm new to this. You know, so we wrote a prayer out. And this is just words. It's just words until you mean it. And when you mean it in your heart, then all of a sudden your heart begins to receive Jesus and receives rest. And so I want to read these words to you. And if and that's you today, and you want to receive Christ, and you want to receive all that he has for you, then you just say these words in your mind. You don't have to say them out loud. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to do anything. Right now, you say, God, I want this, and I'm going to read it. And so you say it in your mind, all right? Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Please help me turn from my sins and do your will. Everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen everybody. Yes. Amen. So if that's you today, and you, sometime today, the only thing I ask you to do is I ask you to check this box and says that I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Why? So we can pray for you. Nobody's coming to your house. No, 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 no. We're just going to pray for you. That's all. So check it today if you prayed that prayer so we can pray for you. So remember our, our words that we're saying. Here we are. In order to have a life change, this is how it happens. Ready? to say it. Jesus can change my story. Jesus can change my story. The second thing i like to share with you about having, a, having your story changed is this. Number two, is partner with Jesus. Partner with Jesus. I cannot overstate this part. You see, many people, they, they, they view their relationship with Jesus as a one-time deal. But let me tell you, it's like the Bible calls it like a marriage. You know, I've done, I've done hundreds of, of uh, weddings when, since I've been a pastor, hundreds. And I can tell you, there's never been one time that I, I went and said, okay, I want to introduce you to this new couple. You're now husband and wife, and never one time did I have the the, uh, wife look at the husband and say, okay, we're married now. I'll see you in 30 years, all right? Now, you wait. 30 years, I'll see you. And many times in our relationship with Christ, that's sort of what we do. And like I pray the prayer, now I'm going to go live my life now, and maybe I'll see you back right before I die. All right? We good? (laughs) I can tell you right there, if they said that right there, it'd be like, okay, well, let's just go ahead and undo what we did, right? And so we live our lives So partner with Jesus. Now, notice what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Look what he says. Let's just read this short uh, verse. It's only like five words here. Take my yoke upon you. Now, I'll be honest. When I started reading the Bible, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know any of this stuff. And when Jesus said, I read it, he said, take my yoke upon you. I was like, dang, did Jesus get egged? I mean, like it's. I I don't know. I just sort of read it that way. And I was like, does that mean they throw eggs at you? I didn't know what that meant. I'll be honest. Take my yoke upon you. And so what I've discovered is is that what he was talking about in Jesus' day was an agricultural day. And that means that there was a lot of farming. And so they would have these oxen that would pull a plow, and it looked like this. And they would would have this wooden piece around their shoulders, and it would go uh, uh, around their back and on their shoulders. And it would be so that they could pull together so that they could pull more weight together. Now, what's interesting to me is that Jesus grew up in a carpenter's home, and legend has it that one of the things that he made as a carpenter was was yokes for for oxen, and and it was very important because you couldn't just do a standard size. You had to perfectly fit each each, uh, yoke for each oxen. Why? Because if it began to pull, it would get sores if it wasn't fitted just right, and blisters, and it would be in such pain that it would lay down, it wouldn't work anymore. So it had to be, everyone had to be fit just for, for every oxen. And Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. In other words, I know what you can handle. I know what you can carry. I know the load you need, and I want to partner with you. That's what Jesus says. You know what? Jesus talked about this yoke. When you, being yoked with Jesus means this, if you're going in the direction Jesus is going, you will always be going in the right direction. Someone says, you know, my life is going the wrong way. I say, hey, baby, do a U-turn, hook up with Jesus, you'll be going the right way. Right? You'll go the right way with Jesus. You know, and and, and when some of the problems that I get into, you probably don't, but see, I'm a little bit of a uh, of a person that gets in a hurry sometimes, and my pace I get a little ahead of Jesus sometimes. Like I'm praying about something, like Lord do this, and then before He can do it, I try to work it all out, right? And then I just get myself in a mess, right? I mean, I was called a big mess. I don't know if any of you like that, but that's sort of my story. But Jesus, I've read. I've read this Bible through many, many, many times, and I've read the New Testament through hundreds of times, I would say, and I want to tell you, I never found one time where it said Jesus got in a hurry and he ran to this place. Never. You know know what's so amazing about this is that Jesus had a, a good friend. His name was Lazarus. He got sick, and Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they were good sisters, and they realized that Jesus was only three miles away. So they sent someone to Jesus and said, Hey, we know you're the miracle worker. We, know, we believe in you. Now Lazarus is sick here, so why don't you hurry back here and pray for Lazarus and heal him so he so he won't be sick anymore? And what did Jesus do? He's only three miles away. He just kept doing what he was doing. And the whole time, he just kept what he's doing, doing what he's doing. And the man, Lazarus, died. He died. Guess when Jesus showed up? Four days later, they'd already, he died, they buried him, they put him in a tomb and rolled a stone in front of him and said, Dead. And so Jesus showed that four days later, guess what Mary and Martha said? If you would have been here, man, if you just would have hurried up and got here, my brother would still be alive. What's wrong with you? Don't you love him? I mean, they're mad at him. And Jesus was, says, Well, where is he at? They said, He's in the tomb. He said, well, take me there. And then Jesus said, well, just roll the stone away. They said, Mary and Martha said, listen, my brother's been at tomb. He stinketh. That's what they said. I love reading the Bible. King James. He stinketh. (laughs) Okay, never (laughs) mind. Don't open it. And see what they wanted, they wanted Jesus to do a miracle that would heal him from dying and being sick. But Jesus wanted to do a greater miracle, right? And so Jesus wanted to raise the dead. And he said, roll the stone away. And Jesus said, now Lazarus, I want you to come up out of that grave. And here comes this mummy walking out. Because one, Jesus wanted, it. Jesus had a greater miracle in mind, a greater miracle. And many of you right now are like me. You're stressed out with a situation in your life because you've hit a dead end and you're like, hurry up, Jesus. Hurry up, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Just do this, Jesus. Just do this. It'll be all right. But Jesus said, like, No, I've got a greater miracle that's in the making right now for you. Isn't that amazing? So when you, partner with Je- when you partner with Jesus, you're in step with Jesus. And, and everything just works out the way it's supposed to. Greater miracles. Yes. Partner with Jesus. I love Isaiah 40 because the Bible tells us that God says that when you wait on me, when you don't get ahead of me, I'm going to give you a strength. Look what it says. It says this, Isaiah 40. He gives power to the who? And those who have no might, he what? He increases strength. Those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What is Jesus saying? Or what is God saying? You know what he's saying? He's saying, I never called you to be a chicken. I never called you to be eaten with anxiety and worry and stress all the time. And that's what a chicken is, right? I mean, have you ever seen a chicken in the chicken yard? What they're doing, they're scratching all the time, and they got their head down all the time. Oh, poor me, poor me. I can't find nothing to eat. Oh, come on, poor me, poor me. And there's just poor, pitiful me, and let a clap of thunder happen, and they run to the, to the, to the place where they stay. <laughs> they run, right? They run to nest and hide in the chicken coop. But not an eagle. He said, I've called you to be an eagle. And what does an eagle do? An eagle when the storm begins to come and and brew and the hurricane force winds can blow all they want to. And you know all the eagle does is spread his wings. And as he he doesn't even have to flap his wings. He just spreads his wings. The eagle spreads its wings, and as the winds blow harder and harder and harder. Guess what happens? It goes higher and higher and higher, and it sees from up there what it can never see from right here, right? It sees great opportunity. It sees new pastures. It sees new feeding fields. It sees new opportunity. It's opportunity for a better life. It's only when it spreads its wings out and trusts the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow and take it up. Isn't that amazing? It sees your opportunity for a better life. If you just spread your wings out and say, God, I'm going to trust your spirit right here. I'm going to partner with you. And it takes you up. See, people thought you'd never be where you are. How did you get there? Because God took me up. Your opportunity for a better life happens through Jesus Christ. You see what I've understood in my life. It's when I attach myself to Jesus, my stress goes down. But when I detach myself from Jesus, my stress goes up. And so I want to challenge you to, uh, to attach yourself to Jesus. Now, I want to give you a challenge. I want to, I want to teach you this opportunity for a better life, but I can't do it in, in 30 minutes. So I would like to ask you, would you just go ahead and make a commitment? On the back of your connection card, it says this. It says, I will do my best to come to the rest of this series as much as possible. We understand something may happen, but just go and check that box so that your life can get better. Okay, on the screen, it's coming up. Look what it says here. Ready? Let's read our words together. Here we go. Ready? Jesus can change my story. He can change your story. Number three, would you write this down? The third thing is this, is learn from Jesus. Let me say it again. Learn from Jesus. Look what Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, let me teach you, Jesus says that, because I am what? (laughs) Humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your what? Soul, the deepest part of you, what you need rest at, you're going to find rest there. You'll find rest for your soul. Now, what's amazing to me about this is that when Jesus gets ready to teach us a lesson, he said, okay, I'm going to teach you what you need. When He said, what you need is this, is that you need to be gentle and humble. I'm like, what? Why do he want to teach me to be gentle and humble at heart? Well, here's the why. Because the problem that most of us have is two things. It's aggression and it's arrogance. We become very aggressive, right? Like we got to have it right now. We're going to do whatever it takes to get it right now. No, we're going to do it now. And many of us are in a situation in our lives right now to where we made a bad decision because we did it in a hurry, right? Hurry creates worry, right? And many of us have bought things that, that we couldn't afford because we had to have it right now, and it's right now. And so aggression causes us problems. So Jesus said, i want to teach you to be gentle. And then he said, I'm going to teach you to be humble. Why is that? Because we have a pride issue. like. Here's what pride is. Pride says, I'm not listening to you. I know what I want. I know my way's best. And God, I don't have time to listen to you because I got this figured out. So I'm going to do it my way. And that's what the, the epitome of pride is. And the Bible says pride comes before a what? A fall. That's right. It comes before a fall. I'm going to be honest with you, transparent, I should say, very transparent to the point of being embarrassed, is that I did this the other day at the gym About a week and a half ago, I was at the gym, and I know you look at me and say, you go to the gym. I know you're saying that. Don't you judge me. I'm a runner, (laughs) not a lifter. So I decided that I was going to do the chest workout, and it's called bench press, but I wasn't going to use the big bars. I was going to use the two dumbbells. And here's a picture of the bench that I was going to lay on, right there, that I laid on. And you see the dumbbells behind me. Well, I did, I had lifted a few of those and I was feeling very good so what you can't see is you go on up in the weight and when you get up to the 80 pound it turns into metal. And that's the man stuff. Metal, right? So I decided that I was going to do this. I was going to I got those two 80 pound weights and the way you do that is put that picture back up please. I want to show them this. You sit on the edge of that bench. You sit down like this with the weights on your knees and you just rock back and then you lay on your back and you push the weight up. Well, there was two ladies from our church that was there that come by me about that time. And, uh, you know, there they were. And I don't know what they were doing back there. But they were back there, and they said, and one of them said to me, Pastor, you don't need to be lifting that heavy weight. And I'm like, I got this. And so I thought they would move on. But no, they decided to work out right over here and watch me. And so anyways, their eyes are peeking over at me. I'm like, I'm, so I'm like, well, I got to do this now. I've, I've just bit off more than I can chew. And so I got the weight right here. I rocked back like that. It's like you just rock back. And I laid right back on that bench. And when I did that weight, it went poof. It landed on my chest and my rib cage. And so here I am. I'm stuck. And I'm embarrassed because I know they're peeking at me. And so I'm there. I can't breathe this way. It's 160 pounds. 80 here, 80. 160 pounds laid right on my chest cavity, on my rib cage. I can't breathe. But I'm not letting go. No. And so here's what I do. I, I strain and I strain. And it's not moving. I have one option. One option only. What do I have to do? Let it go. i got to let it go. And so that's all I can do, let it go. Bam, 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 bam. And then everybody goes, there's the weak one right over there. There he is, right there. That's him, that's a sissy, right there he is. But I want to tell you, there was a nice gentleman behind me. I know he had to be Jesus in the flesh. Because he's like, let's try that again. I went over. I, I said, okay. I grabbed the weights, set up again. I rocked back, got it right there to where I couldn't breathe. He put his hands right there on my hands. And he said, are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. So let's go. And then we began to, he helped me move those weights. So here's what I want to tell you. Some of you got things right now that you got to surrender. You see, You never you can't breathe right now because you're holding on to something and you gotta let it go. You will not get better until you you gotta let go of the anger, you gotta let go of the bitterness, you gotta let go of the resentment, you gotta let it go, or it's gonna kill you. You're gonna die. You gotta let it go. Let it go. And there's some of you sitting right here today. You're sitting here today, and guess what? There's something that you can't let go of. You can't let go of that child that's driving you crazy. You can't let go of that spouse. You can't let go of that job. you got to have it. But you need Jesus to come down and put his hand on that problem and help you lift a little bit, that you can go higher. you got to, you got to have Jesus. Amen? you got to have Jesus. you got to surrender unto God Almighty. He's walking by you right now and saying, I am the helper. I'm the keeper. I'm the one that can make you. I'm the one that can lift the up." Yeah. you got to let Jesus. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. I surrender all to you. Will you stand with me, everybody? I surrender. I surrender. And you can lay on your back you can be hard-headed like me, and you can lay on your back, and you can just smother to death and let everybody go over their life, or you can let it go and get up and begin to walk again and live again and not be down again, or you can let God put His hands on you and lift that load up, but you've got to make a decision. You've got to go. Surrender. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message.